We're talking about death, dying, heaven, and hell. And this morning we talked about misery. Goodness, we're kind of in a valley a little bit. Don't worry, we're going to get out. <laughs> we're going to get out of a going to get out of a valley. But uh, um, um, just uh, walking through this, I think just the reminders of of these things is nothing more than a reminder that we have an amazing God. If I had any um, wanted to give any encouragement whatsoever in regards to talking about um, death and dying, um, the encouragement would be is that um, we have an amazing God that uh, will give us life even, even, after, even after we die. So even going through these difficult subjects, the real goal is to see the beauty of God, the, the majesty of God, the sovereignty of God, the strength of God. Um, and I pray that that is what you observe as we're talking um, about specifically about um, these, uh, these subjects. Last week we talked about the resurrection, which I think is often underestimated. I think the resurrection is going to be the most awesome thing that's going to take place on this planet. And I think that we would be um, just enthralled with glory, majesty, and God, this is absolutely amazing. I think it's the tip of the sword. Uh, so now we're kind of moved in um, more from death nine. We're starting to get in a little bit to the afterlife. Um, and as we're getting to the afterlife, there's some terms that we just need to um, understand. And that's what this lesson is. It's kind of more... Um, um, not necessarily a sermon, but just kind of explanation of some terms that we will be um, talking about that are thrown around and that we will look at. Uh, so one of the terms that uh, we hear is we hear the word paradise. Um, what is uh, paradise? Uh, paradise is a synonym for heaven. Um, it explains that it is heaven. Now, people often think, well, you know, paradise is maybe an intermediate state, and then heaven is, is, is heaven. Uh, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians said, God knows such a man who was caught up into the third heaven. There is mentioned heaven. It's interesting, third heaven, and we'll talk a little bit about that. And I know how such a man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, God knows, was caught up into what? Paradise. So does paradise automatically go to an intermediate um, state? Or is it um, something that's even more general than an um, intermediate state? You know, as we're looking at these intermediate states. According to this, um, it's paradise is referred to as the third heaven. And we're going to talk about the third heaven a little bit down. But um, heaven in all of its glory, paradise is mentioned here. Um, does that mean if there is an intermediate state that paradise is not um, the intermediate state as well? Um, I believe that uh, uh, when Jesus said to the thief... Today you'll be with me um, in paradise, is that today you will be with me in glory. Today you will be with me in heaven. It's an intermediate state. Intermediate state. Today you will be with me in Jerusalem. Paradise is kind of a word that encompasses the whole afterlife with God. Um, and that's what uh, the word is referred to. Revelation 2 7. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Uh, the paradise of God. Uh, paradise, I think, is almost even a description that says, you are with God now. So it's not going to be a specific location. There is a paradise, and this is, needs to be clear because there is going to be some different specific locations. But the word paradise isn't, there is a paradise and there's a new Jerusalem, and there's a new uh, there's a millennium, and there is a heaven, I don't believe that paradise fits in that category. I believe that paradise fits over all of it when it is referred that today you'll be with me in paradise. Wherever that system is, that's what paradise um, is mentioned. Of. So then we have the word heaven. Heaven is thrown around. Um, what is uh, heaven? Um, just an explanation that kind of generalizes all of it. Um, is heaven is a physical place we will dwell with God in glorified bodies. Heaven is a physical place we will dwell with God in glorified bodies. There's going to be a day that we are going to be with God, and I believe that when the Bible speaks about heaven, it's not always specifically speaking about a certain place, but it's saying it is now that you are with God. God. The reason why um, I believe it's not a specific place is because the Bible does get very specific 
with locations. One of the specific locations is letter A, a third heaven is mentioned in the Bible. Whoa, whoa, whoa what do you mean a, a third heaven? A third heaven, what is the, the third heaven? Because when we're talking about the afterlife, I will tell you that there is a lot of systems that are in place. And to go through all the systems you know, that are in place um, can get, kind of get um, confusing. So when we say heaven, I'm just saying it's a place with God. But we also want to talk, oh, oh, by the way, there's a third heaven. Now, if there's a third heaven, that means there needs to be what? There needs to be a second heaven. And there needs to be a first heaven. So what is the third heaven? Uh, looking at uh, the third heaven, and we're going to talk even more about this when we get in regards, when we start talking about heaven. Uh, the third heaven is mentioned um, when Paul goes there. And I just even read the verse, but I just want to read it again. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up into what? The third heaven. Third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but God knows. What is Paul saying when he caught up into the third heaven? He's saying, I'm up here. I don't know, have any idea. In the body, out of the body, I'm confused with everything else. All I know is that I'm standing in the presence of God in this third heaven. What is that? Let's say that the third heaven would be beyond the universe, um, outside of the universe. So when you look into space, your eyes travel an extreme amount of distance. And then if you look into a telescope or even, uh, you know, a government NASA's telescope, or you can go way, 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 way out there. And after you go all the way out there, there's something beyond there. <laughs> and that is, uh, is, the third, is, the third, is the third heaven. How do we know that? Well, if we read the Bible, I think that we can kind of get that description. Letter B, if there is a third heaven, there's got to be a first heaven. So what is the first heaven if beyond the universe is a third? I know I'm not going in order, but uh, the Bible just mentions the third, so we've got to try to find the first and the second. Finding the first, what is the first heaven? Psalms 104, 12. Beside them, the birds of the heavens dwell. They lift up their voices among the branches. Is this verse talking about beyond the universe? Besides them, the birds of the heavens dwell. What is this verse talking about? This verse is talking about almost earthly heaven. And um, when we say, how could earth be heaven? That doesn't make any sense. Well, we're going to talk about New Jerusalem. What happens in the New Jerusalem? It comes to where? It comes to, to earth. See, what happens is that God is in restoration. We think that God is beyond the universe, and when we die, we're all going to go beyond the universe, and the whole universe and the whole earth is all going to be gone, and it's, going to be, um, it's all going to be disappeared. Um, but is that, is that the case? Um, God is doing something in the third heaven, and he's coming to restore maybe heaven number one, <laughs> which would be the earth, which will be then the new Jerusalem. See, God, this earth has more richness than we can possibly even um, imagine. Um, God is not going to say, I'm tired of it. It's over. I'm going to wipe it all out. He's going to say, I'm tired of it. It's over, I'm going to restore it to health. That's what the God we worship is. I'm going to come and I'm going to bring a resurrection. And in that resurrection, there is going to be life on, um, on earth as you see complete um, restoration, restoration take place. So this passage is mentioned, the heavens you know, are dwelled here, even possibly here um, on earth is mentioned. What is the second heaven? Uh, the second heaven, I believe, is the, the universe. Um, as we're looking at, um, uh, and again, we're going to get really deep when we start talking about heaven, of what in the world's going on, because things are going to get really interesting when, we're, when we start talking about um, um, heaven and, and looking and see what is going to take place in this afterlife. Um, heaven is the universe. Uh, where do we get that? Isaiah thirteen ten, the stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. Again, we have another heaven um, that, is, that is mentioned. Um, we, um, I know there's controversy behind it sometimes, but we've gotten to the moon. That's not very far. <laughs> I'm sorry just to say that. It's just, it's just not very far. 
um, are we going to get further when, when uh, um, Christ comes and brings restoration? Or are all those stars and all those things, those planets, everything that's out there, um, is that all just going to be um, for the moment of darkness in our lives that we can look up and see stars? Oh boy, they're beautiful, I'm done. Or is something else going to take place? I think uh, God's glory shines on this earth, and in his universe, his glory even shines um, even stronger. So much that he calls the stars of heaven, mentioning that. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens um, and the earth. Um, is this the third heaven that he created, or is it possibly the stars? Well, in John chapter 14, it says, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I do not go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is leaving to go prepare a place for us. What location is he going to prepare the place for us? <laughs> I mean, just, just asking that question, what's the location? Is it on the second heaven? Uh, no, the second heaven's here. The stars are even here. I think he's talking about the third heaven, and he's been doing that for 2,000 years. I would say Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens, the stars, the universe, and also, and also um, the earth. Hebrews seven twenty six says, Such a high priest meets our need, who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Well, hold on a second. Isn't heaven the top? <laughs> Isn't heaven it? Um, well, this one's saying even beyond the heavens. Well, heavens is, is number one. It's, it's plural, and it's talking about heavens. How far, is, how far do you get beyond the heavens? Um, that's why I believe there's, there's, there's three. The earth, place, location, the universe, and then the, even beyond the stars, talking about the third, the third location on that. So when we talk about heaven, uh, you don't need to know all the logistics of it. Why? Because it's all going to be good. <laughs> so you can just, oh, it's heaven. You know, I can, I can relax with that statement. I can la- you don't have to uh, confront somebody. Oh, you talk about heaven. Is that the first heaven, second heaven, or third heaven? You don't have to, you don't have to do that. Um, but often when you say the word heaven, that's why I said it, heaven is in the presence of God. That's, that's what heaven general means, heaven specific means. Oh my goodness, there's different, you know, locations that are taking place. Now, let's just make mention of uh, the New Jerusalem. We'll probably, we're going to do a, a, an entire um, week on the New Jerusalem, so we're just going to make mention of it, make mention of it here. The New Jerusalem will be established when Christ sets up his reign, where? On earth. Uh, the New Jerusalem receives two chapters in the book of Revelation. Um, Heaven, the third heaven, doesn't receive two chapters in the book of Revelation. New Jerusalem gets a lot of of meat in Scripture time. There's also a passage in Isaiah that explains specifically about the New Jerusalem. That entire chapter, 41, is devoted to New Jerusalem. So in the Bible, there's three chapters dedicated to um, this New Jerusalem. Uh, But where is it? Why didn't God give us this explanation to the third heaven, but yet gives us an explanation to um, a new Jerusalem? Uh, my answer would be, I think that um, we can understand the new Jerusalem a little bit better than we can understand the third heaven. Um, the reason why is because when Paul went into the third heaven, he came back and said, I saw things with unexpressible words. But the new Jerusalem is a restoration of this earth, and we can get a little bit stronger description of what the new Jerusalem looks like because our mind can then um, even conceive that. So let's look at um, the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the, throne of say, from the throne saying, Now the dwelling place of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with him, and be, and they, and be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, 
For the, old, for the order of things has now passed away, and a new order has come, and it has come to this earth so drastic that it says the first order, the new heavens and new earth, is even passed away. It's going to be so extreme when it comes that it's going to shock our system, and the whole order is almost even going to be gone when the new Jerusalem does, does come. But where will it be? It will be, it will be here um, on this, this planet. So as you're looking at um, the Bible, and you see that um, the God of Israel, um, the God of, of Jacob, the God of Abraham, um, when he's making these statements, he's making statements of locations. Those statements are strong. Those statements are rich. They're talking about this planet because God has something on this planet that he really, um, that he really glories in that he really connected with, that he's really in tune to? What do you think would be on this planet that God is really excited about? Any guesses what God, what's on this planet that God is really excited about? Is it us? I think the thing that God is really excited about on this planet is you see a revelation of God on this planet more so than you can ever see in heaven. And that revelation is the cross. This is where God died. This is where God became man. This is where you get an understanding of God that you do not even can possibly conceive of if you went directly into the third heaven. What I'm saying is that the angels, according to Ephesians, longed to look at what took place on this earth because what happens is their God came down and made a sacrifice. Um, that explains the character of God, that explains the beauty of God, that explains the mission of God. The angels knew more of who God was when they saw him come to the earth than when he was even, when they worship him in heaven. They saw him in his glory in heaven, but when he came to earth, they saw something that they, they could not, they believed, but they could hardly even imagine. So uh, there's a lot of things that are happening on this planet. And that's why I believe that the whole, that's why the New Jerusalem is coming down even this direction. Um, we often talk about, you know, life in other planets. Um, is there life in other planets? Um, I would say that there um, is not life on other planets because there's only three life forms that are explained um, in, in the Bible. And uh, that is the human being, um, that is the fallen angels in that side, and then there's also um, God and his angels. These are the, the life forms that are there. And what's interesting is that the cross puts all those life forms in place. All the fallen angels are judged by what? The cross. All the men are, and ladies are judged by what? Go the direction of the cross. And then all the, um, the angels and, and God, they're holding on, what, again, to the cross. So there's a lot that's taken place on this earth. And so I think when we look at heaven, we often need to think that there is going to be an aggressive restoration that takes place here because God is not going to say, okay, I'm done with this earth, let's burn it, and let's go a different direction. I think God's going to say, okay, I'm going to come, let's restore it, and let's see my beauty in the process of being here. Oh, by the way, it only gets better from here. <laughs> so in other words, New Jerusalem, millennium, it gets better and better and better and better and better as we continue, as we continue to walk. Um, so heaven, does anybody have any... Um, questions on on heaven and then we'll get into um um just the kind of terms that are mentioned on on hell well you got what's that I have a short, question. short question okay here comes the microphone right here it might not be a short answer the the new jerusalem comes down out of the sky mm -hmm. and it's in the i understand it's in the form of a cube and mm -hmm. I don't know if it's 144 miles cubed or what, but mm -hmm. does this new Jerusalem come down to Israel and, and, uh, or, or mm -hmm. what? Um, I, would <laughs> say, that time. I would say that it, it does, that we would be, it, would be, um, uh, it would be Israel of where it's at, where Christ is going to reign on earth. He will be the government um, in the millennium. 
And uh, when I start to mention the millennium, you know, that's a whole different conversation. Go to Pastor D's class. He's been speaking on it for months and months and months, so I can't give a three-second answer. But that's what, I believe that's what's going to take place. It's coming down. It's coming down here to earth. Yeah. Okay, so right there on that verse that you have, and it says that there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things have passed away. So what are they talking about when they mean the old order? Is it the old way of life, the old plan? I would say it would be the sinful, um, the sinful nature that we are entangled with. Um, so what happened is that um, there is, um, 1 Corinthians talks about the first man, which was who Adam, and then it goes right to the second man. Now, once you say that Cain was the second man, or Abel was the second, uh, Cain was the second man, you know, but it's one man, two man. So what happens is the, the order of Adam is gone, and Christ has come, and now Christ has restored, and the new order of Christ has arrived, and that is an order without sin, an order without with tears being wiped away an order of peace, an order of um, interaction with God that is face-to-face, more so than even, than even prayer. So that would be the old order as the sinful nature um, would, then, would then be removed, would be my understanding of that passage. We would no longer be under Adam. We would now be under Christ. And what does heaven look like? Heaven looks like people functioning the way that they were designed to function. What does hell look like? Hell looks like people not functioning the way they, they were not designed to function. Um, to the degree, what does earth look like? Um, people functioning the way they're not supposed to function to not the degree, but to a, a, a little, <laughs> kind of the mid-range. Um, so that's kind of the, the piece of it. It's, if everybody functioned the way we were created to function, this place could be called, this is heaven. Um, because there would be no pain, there would be no sorrow, um, there would be no death. We have one more, um, Katrina, then we'll, we'll move on to, um, to the other terms in regards to Sheol and Hades and, and Lake of Fire. So your outline that you have is just to clarify and make a distinction that New Jerusalem is not heaven, correct? Um, the New Jerusalem is heaven, is heaven in the sense that heaven's all of it. So what happens is if I say, is the New Jerusalem heaven? Um, I would say, yes, it's heaven. And the reason why it is heaven is because um, we are face-to-face with God. And being face-to-face with God is heaven. Then you might ask the question, well, there's a third heaven. Well, yeah, that's heaven too. Okay, there's a second. Well, that's heaven too. So what the, the order of the outline was showing and displaying that when you use the word heaven, you're talking about being in the presence of God after, after dying. So I would say the new Jerusalem is what? It's heaven. Well, what does heaven look like? Oh boy, there's going to be a new heaven. There's going to be a new earth. There's a third heaven. There's a... So then you start talking about all the logistics. So um, yes, I'd say the new Jerusalem is heaven, but where is it at? It's here on earth. How long is it going to be here? It's going to be here for a thousand years. It's going to be here for the, the millennium. Um, is it heaven? Yes, because we are with Jesus um, in a way that we're not, you got to be careful with using this, this statement, but almost in a way that we're not now um, in a sense that we can see him, we can feel him, we can touch him. Okay, I want to move on to um, a little bit the other terms that were mentioned. Sheol um, is mentioned in the Bible. Sheol is the Hebrew term for the place of the dead. Whenever you see um, the word shield, that is is what it's saying. That's what it is explaining. Um, it's a Hebrew term for the place of the dead, but it also the, the judgment of the dead is mixed with that um, as well. It does not talk to the believers that someday you're going to go into shield. You know, it's, it's mixed more even with a, a judgment that has taken place. Psalm 61.10, For you will not abandon my soul to shield, um, that death, the grave, is not going to be the end of me. Psalms 49, 15, but God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Um, whenever the word Sheol is coming up, it's not hell, it's, it's, it's grave. It's our destination um, of where we are going. And once we get there, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, once we get there, 
um, if we are believers in Christ, um, we will be um, rescued, we'll be redeemed. Then you hear the word Hades. Hades is the Greek term, which also means the place of the dead um, for unbelievers. It gets much more specific. Uh, Sheol is the place of the dead. It doesn't get very specific with unbelievers necessarily. It's almost like a, a destruction, a place that is gone, a place that is wasted. God can redeem it, but when it talks about Hades, it goes right to it's a grave where you're not coming out of. Um, and that is a Greek term in, uh, um, in, uh, in the New Testament um, that is mentioned, and Hades um, is mentioned often. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the intermediate state, and we'll start putting those together as we talk a little bit about that. But we also have another uh, thing that is mentioned. The lake of fire is the final destination of those who have rejected Christ. After a judgment takes place, the devil and his angels will be then thrown into a lake of fire. Somebody asked me earlier in the foyer, Katrina asked me, um, are unbelievers going to be raised um, from the dead? Unbelievers are going to be raised from the dead, and they'll be raised from the dead um, to judgment. Everybody will stand before, will stand before God. And unbelievers' bodies are going to do what? Is going to come all put together, and as they're coming put together in a glorified, not a glorified state, in a state, they will stand before God, and then they will see their judgment. And as they see their judgment, that is the one God is going to throw them um, into, um, into a lake, a lake of fire. Revelation twenty fifteen. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation twenty ten. The devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophets are also, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So we have, uh, um, this brings up some questions after we get all the terms that are put together. One of the questions, are, are paradise, Sheol, and Hades intermediate places before heaven and hell? Are paradise, Sheol, and Hades intermediate places before heaven and hell? You guys want to um, try to bring it up, and uh, or do you want me just to talk about it? <laughs> this is uh, um, this is what um, this is what I um, believe, um, just in a sense of is there um, an intermediate place? Uh, we do know that there is an intermediate place before the lake of fire, because after. The lake of fire, that's when judgment takes place. Revelations twenty fourteen says, Then death and Hades were thrown into a lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Well, death takes place, and we know that. Hades um, exists, but as Hades exists, now what's going to happen? So according to this, he's going to pick up Hades, and he's going to place it somewhere. So it almost has to be something that exists before the lake of fire, and, and I believe that it would, be, it would be Hades. We also have to ask the question, is there something very important about our resurrection? So when we die, we do not have our body, correct? Hopefully our body is in the dirt, is in the ground. Some beautiful power about the resurrection. So what's this? Is there an intermediate state that takes place um, after um, the resurrection? Good question. We're going to keep on answering it, but as we continue to talk. Revelation 6, 9. When the Lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw underneath the altar of the souls who had been slain because of the word of God and because of the testimonies which they had maintained. These souls that were slain were located somewhere underneath the altar. Is that a resting place or is it not a resting place? Is it an intermediate state? Is it not an intermediate state? Um, I would say that it is um, an intermediate state that takes place. Now, if you ask me to explain this intermediate state, I'd say, I can't explain the intermediate state of exactly what is happening in the process of this intermediate state. But let's ask some questions that are out there. Letter uh, number eight, will, belie will believers sleep after they die? Is there um, a sleep that takes place? So in other words, if I die, do I, I go to sleep and then I sleep until what? until the resurrection comes, and when the resurrection comes, then, um, then I'm alive again? Or what happens there? There are some passages um, that mention sleep, and many people say, well, I believe that there is a sleep, and the reason why they say I believe there is a sleep is because they're reading some verses. First Thessalonians 4.13, 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest of you have in hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring, will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Christ. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. Well, in that passage, what do we get? Hmm, seems like people did fall asleep. There's another passage that mentions it as well in 1 Corinthians. And uh, don't worry, Dave, we're getting somewhere, and I know you go, oh, I want to know what this is, <laughs> because, it, because there's answers that go beyond this. 1 Corinthians 15, and if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Those who are fallen asleep in Christ are lost. Um, if, you, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are, in the, we are to be pitied more than all other men. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep um, in him. So um, do we fall asleep, or are we automatically with the Lord? Well, there's a couple verses there that talk about sleep, but there's a whole bunch of verses that don't talk about sleep. Number nine, will believers automatically be with the Lord? This is the other topic. Um, we've got a couple of verses that talk about sleeping in Christ, and then we have a, top of, a lot of verses that talk about you'll be directly with the Lord. Ecclesiastes 12, 7. And the dust returns to the ground it came from, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. What happens? Your body goes to the dust, and then where does your spirit go? It returns to God. Well, hold on a second. And he's asleep before it turns to God. According to the passage, it does not sleep and then return to God. It automatically goes into God's hands. John 5, 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to sleep to life. No, it doesn't say that. It says he has crossed over from death into, into life. Luke 20, 37. But in the account of the bush, even Moses showed up that the dead rise. And for he calls the Lord the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living for to him all are alive. Let me ask you, is Abraham asleep? Is Isaac asleep? Is Jacob and Moses asleep? Well, Jesus talked about, he's not the God of the dead. He's not the God of the sleep, but he's the God of those who are what? Who are alive. And, and um, 2 Corinthians 5, 6, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. As long as we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. But when we're not in the body, if you read that backwards, we would be what? Automatically present with the Lord. And then we have this consistent passage at the cross. Jesus answered, telling the thief, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise after you sleep. No, today, does it mean today and tonight, or is it you are going to be with me today um, in paradise? So there's good questions. Do we sleep or uh, do we not? Well, let me throw out one more thing <laughs> before, we give the, before we give the answer. Um, and it's just a question. Will time be done away with when the believer dies? Now, um, I read a a book that had a whole chapter that was, um, that was dedicated to this. And um, it was a Puritan, and I, I love the Puritans, and I respond when the Puritans are speaking, and, and, uh, and they give us um, an answer, and I want you to catch this answer. It's in the last verses, in the last verse. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hands to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that therein are, and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea, the things that therein are, that there should be time no longer. Time is done, according to that verse. 
There's only one problem with that verse. <laughs> is, uh, it's written in the King James. <laughs> now, now, now I'm not, I don't want to just you know, throw some stones out there, um, but the King James does do some things every once in a while to give us answers when there's not answers. Um, and one of these things, when we looked at it in the interpretation um, of Scripture, um, we looked at um, some verses that the King James automatically gave us the answer to the Trinity. The Trinity was the most fought answer the entire Bible. Every single, every single mention in, the, um, um, in each of the books was that Jesus is God. So it's a huge fight in the Bible all the way through time and also uh, through the Reformation. And let me read this passage in King James, 1 John 1, 5 through 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. Why did we ever fight about the, tribula- or the, the Trinity if this verse was in the Bible? Um, unfortunately, um, King James put it in the Bible when it wasn't really there in the Greek. First John 5, 7 in the NASB, and every single version beside the King James says, for there are three that testify, and it no longer, it didn't fill in any blanks. Um, so we can say that there is time no longer if we are King James only, but if we're Greek only, <laughs> we can't necessarily say that there is um, time uh, no longer. Um, so, does that verse mean that there's time that's completely gone? All the translations say that there is time that is delayed. Uh, time that delayed is, is much more um, um, different than time no longer. So, can I say to you that you will not sleep? You will not, absolutely any circumstances, be with God the second you die? And the reason why is because there is time no longer. If it's King James only, I could say that, <laughs> but I'm not. We got to be Bible, and uh, we can't automatically. Um, we can't automatically say that. So, uh, what do you guys think? I'd like to hear what you guys think about um, sleeping, about being with God, or even about this topic. Does time just um, disappear? And I know, Dave, you're a studied person. You have a thought. I want to know what you think. And my, I'll just tell you, my answer is number 11, so we will talk about this. I'm just trying to break it up a little bit, let people, let people talk. I'm sorry, I just put you on the spot. <laughs> you, you've got to talk. Uh. So, asleep, I've always thought of it as a euphemism for dead mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So, if you, t- if you equate that, then there isn't any sleep, mm-hmm. because we're, as soon as we die, our bodies yeah, are in the earth, but our souls go up to be with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I'm not a King James only person, but mm-hmm. I've also been taught that he, God is outside of time. He created time for us. Yeah. And so when we're with him, we would be outside of time. Mm-hmm. So time wouldn't have any relevance. We'd be able to see the beginning and the end just like God does, mm-hmm. which makes prophecy possible because he sees what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's that's, uh, that's almost that's number 11. <laughs> absolutely. I, we're on the... Um, I believe. I, I, I completely agree. It puts all those scriptures together. It really does. I was uh, reading a book. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was talking about uh, this was written by a Christian who was a scientist, and he was talking about uh, there's more than three dimensions. In fact, they figure that there might be more than ten dimensions, and one of them is is beyond time, beyond space, you know, interdimensional, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyways, they, they postulate that uh, really time, well, even Einstein said, time is a man-made, you know, uh, concept made, you know, presented by God. Mm-hmm. I mean, for, for us until, you know, time is no more. It, entropy will end, you know, the the wearing away of things and the universe and stuff like that. And so really, in fact, you know, in other books I've read, while we're talking here, if you're a believer, you're already in heaven with the Lord. 
because we are beyond time and space. We just haven't realized it yet in our own mortal bodies. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? Um, I think that you guys are good, but you guys are saying something pretty radical. What you're saying is that when we die, we don't get a look at our wives and our children and, and, and look and see what's going around. I mean, if, if it's automatic, we're not in time, and those things, the resurrection takes place, all those things, yeah, it's, it's uh, I agree. I, I just tell you, I agree with you. I just brought that up to try to create more controversy, or not controversy, but to just kind of see where, you know, uh, to, to see where we're at. So just uh, um, looking at uh, my answers, it's, it's directly with uh, um, even what Dave and, and Steve has, has even said. It says, I believe that the believers will automatically be with the Lord, and the topic of time is, is beyond our comprehension. Uh, when we start saying there is no more time, it's great, but our minds just cannot um, conceive that. Um, when we die, um, our minds will be able to conceive it all, and everything will be opened up like, wow, this is, this is great. This is amazing. Um, but I didn't mention sleep, and I agree with Dave in a sense that if you are talking about sleep, it, it really is mentioning um, uh, connection to death. So I'd put it in the same, the same category, um, that, but we're not going to go to sleep and then we're going to wait, 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 and then we're going to wake up again. Um, I believe that uh, the day that we die, we will be with the Lord, and that's what the thief got on the cross. And if you're going to start saying, well, what time is it going to be? I'm going to say, okay, that's a little bit beyond our comprehension. I don't know. You'll figure that out when we, when we get to heaven. Because when we show up, there is going to be, um, and I'm not a King James person either, um, but that's why King James, I think, even put it in the Bible, just in a sense that they're reading it during the Reformation, and they needed answers. And it's like, well, I think this is what it's saying. Well, let's just, you know, let's just say it rather than, because we can believe it, but we can't use it unless it says it exactly. Um, I believe that I just relax on the time thing. Yeah, absolutely, you know. Um, Psalms 90, and I'll get you down. For a thousand years in our sight are like a day that has just gone and by, and like a watch in the night. Who knows when it comes to time? Yeah, Dan. Well, I'm, so you're saying, you're saying when we leave here, there's going to be no time, which I believe because I am sure the Lord doesn't, they don't worry about that in heaven, for one thing. And the other thing is you're saying, when we leave here and there's no time, we're not going to be able to know what's going on here. Correct? Um, I would say that we would not be um, able to look down and say, this is what's going on Absolutely. here, is what, is what I'd say. Okay. When no. it comes to the comment, um, there's not going to be time, what does time do? Time kills you. So in other words... Every step you take, you are moving somewhere. Towards death. You're, 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 kind of, you're moving towards, right. towards death. So there's going to be something else a little bit different than time. But I don't Absolutely. know what that's going to be. But it's going to be the other thing is, you're saying the earth is going to be the new Jerusalem. Yeah. For a thousand years. For a thousand for years. years. Mm -hmm. But you're also saying, okay, that when the Lord comes, we are automatically risen. Am I correct? When We're the not going to be here. When the Lord comes, we are going to rise. Yes. Rise. In the right? first resurrection, yes. So when they make the new Jerusalem, mm -hmm. we're not going to be here. So what, now we're getting um, specific. And what's going to happen is, and this is where it gets controversy of when is the rapture going to take place. Right. The resurrection is going to take place. And after we raise um, to God, there's going to be a tribulation that's going to take place on earth. And after the tribulation, we are then going to come back. Back so to earth. Necessarily we won't be there. And, um, and then we're going to set up the new Jerusalem um, after the tribulation. That's when the new Jerusalem comes down comes and down. God takes control. Okay. So it's, uh, you know, gets really logistical. We'll put it that way. Um, when you get through all the logistics, there's only one thing that should hit your mind. It's going to be good. <laughs> we're working with a very organized God that has structured things that are not going to be, I'm going to sit on a cloud and I'm going to sing forever. That's going to be really, really boring. Um, no, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Um, it's going to, it's going to be awesome. Uh, so number 12, we'll just uh, throw out another question. Uh, this is a question that um, is often brought up. Did Jesus go to hell? during the three days following um, the crucifixion. 
The reason why this question is brought up is because we have um, a creed, I believe, in God the Father, the Creator, this is Apostles' Creed, the Creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who has conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He then uh, descended um, into hell. The third day he arose again from the dead, and he ascended then into heaven. So this is the Apostles' Creed, and the Apostles' Creed uh, comes from, you know, um, um, years after the Apostles died. Um, they're trying, what did the Apostles teach? And they started getting the letters and all trying to compile them together. And they said, we just need a, a creed to what the Apostles are teaching. So then they write, they write this creed, and then this was, was, put, on, was put on the creed. So um, do you agree with that? Do you not agree with that? Um, remember, this is a class of no controversy in a sense that all we want people to do is think. <laughs> That's all the goal is, is to get people to think, uh, to come up here and say, this is what's going on, this is what's going on. We want to throw out passages that do what? That make you think. And the reason why is because these statements are brought up very often in our world. Well, Jesus went right directly to hell, um, and he suffered in hell for three days before he rose again. Let's just read some passages. I'm not going to argue it. I just want the passages to argue it. This is why it says, this is Ephesians 4, 8 through 10. When he ascended on high, he led captives in his tra- and trained him. He led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he descended into the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. What does descended mean? I'm just bringing it up. That's a verse. You can think about that. Move that through your mind. First Peter 3.18. Here comes another verse. For Christ died for our sins once for all, the righteous from the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. He did what? He went to preach to the spirits that were in prison who, dis, uh, who disobeyed long after when God waited patiently in these days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. So what did he do? He went clear back to time of who? <laughs> um, of Noah? And uh, went before then, and he uh, um, preached, what, some sermons? When did he preach it? Did he preach it during the process of being in the grave for three days? Well, think about that. But let's look at other passages that are mentioned. Luke 23, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, these are words from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Did he say, Father, I have done it, but I'm not through. Into Satan's hands I will be three days, and then I will rise again. That's a pretty powerful statement. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He commits his spirit to his father, and then the father does what? Throws him into hell. I mean, I'm just asking the question. You know, this is a word that's mentioned on the cross. Let's look at another word that's mentioned on the cross. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Is that today or is that in three days you will be with me in paradise? I've got to go to hell first. I mean, the, these are questions that, you know, we bring up, then we ask, and we start, we start to think about. John nineteen thirty. in other words, from the cross. When we had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished after I spend three days in hell. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So we have to think about that. Would it be finished? Because when we start talking um, about hell um, and what's going on there and the things that are taking place, um, I would definitely say that the cross um, is, is pushing towards something um, radical. Um, the radicalness that takes place on the cross, and then you get the radical of hell. Why wouldn't we mention it more um, if, that was, if that was taking place, if that happened? So... Um, what do I believe? Um, I believe that today um, the thief would be with him um, in paradise. Um, I believe, and you're going to see when we talk about hell, is what is hell, 
hell is sin full grown. Um, we see that on the cross um, in a sense that sin is full grown in people and they are crucifying their king. They are crucifying their Lord. It is just a drive in them that is nasty, 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 nasty. I think when we get to hell, it's not going to be necessarily um, beat, 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 but it's going to be sinful grown that is completely um, um, nasty. When Jesus said, it is finished. I've done it to then complete the, the salvation for my people, and I believe that he, did not, um, that he did not go to hell. That's what I believe. The Apostles' Creed disagrees with me. So, but that's where, that's where we're at. So we can bring that up. Fast discussion if anybody wants. We'll hit Steve, and then we'll hit Mary. Oh, yeah. Uh, my my question was, uh, well, on the uh, rich man and Lazarus, uh, he's asking Father Abraham across the chasm, as what I've read anyways, Lazarus is with uh, Abraham, and he's asking him to send Lazarus over for a drink of water. Mm-hmm. And... Abraham said, my son, you had all, all the good things of your life, and now Lazarus has the good. And he said, I can't, he can't come over there because, you know, there's that chasm. I've always thought that when Jesus, he didn't go to hell, but he went to preach to the believing Jews who trusted in the promise of the Lord, Abraham, mm-hmm. Isaac, all the, you know, the people of the Bible who trusted all the promises before that there would be a redeemer, a mm-hmm. Messiah. Mm-hmm. And I always thought that that was why he descended, but not to hell exactly, but to tell, the, hey, it's finished. Mm-hmm. I've completed everything. Mm-hmm. That, that's always been my thought. And yeah. And actually, I've read some other things that have made me, you know, think about that. Yeah. But, you know, like you say, <laughs> it's only my own ideas. Mm-hmm. What do you think? That's a um, very good passage to bring up. And we are going to talk even a lot about hell because, you know, during that passage, it gives us a, a, a description of it. Um, it is an argument um, against um, an intermediate uh, argument against time. So when I say that um, um, there might not be any time, I think that today, you know, we will be with, um, um, be with the Lord. Um, it is an argument for an intermediate state. And uh, the argument that says this intermediate state that takes place is that we will not be in body, but we will be um, in spirit. Um, and as we are in spirit, there will be a chasm, chasm that is there that separates and that we will be in spirit and being able to, um, able to see um, what has taken place um, and what is going on. Um, so it's a very specific, strong passage that goes for um, the, the intermediate state and what specifically that intermediate state um, looks like, that it will not be asleep, um, but it will be a place where we um, are alive and a place that we will, will see those who are dead and those who um, are in Christ. And those are the spirits that when Jesus says he's going to be ministering to, that he will be ministering to in that um, intermediate space. And of course, Jesus, um, Jesus would be there. Um, the, um, and you remember, you guys can disagree with me because it's just my thoughts that have been going you know, on, on this topic, on this, on this subject, is I think it gives us a great description of, of hell. Um, and that verse is a huge description of hell. Um, I believe that that verse is not given to us for the purpose to give us a revelation of an intermediate state and what an intermediate state looks like. Um, that's just my thoughts. Some people can hang on to that and say, this is what the intermediate state looks like, but my thoughts is that verse is not, or that passage has not been given um, what, what that intermediate state looks like. So I'm going to talk about that passage in regards to hell because I think God wants us to understand what it looks like in hell, and those are people that have practically traveled, or that traveled there, and we will look at that but I'm not going to look it in the context of an intermediate state because I believe that when we rise that we will definitely be, you know, with Christ. And I'm not going to chuck the time thing because I don't understand the whole time thing. So I'm hanging on to that really loosely.
Mike. Yeah. Um, for me, the, the, um, when Christ said to, to the thief, today you will be with me in paradise, is a very comforting mm -hmm. a statement that he made because I think of that and death and whoop, here we go. Mm -hmm. But um, this, I'm confused on this passage, so help me understand this. After the resurrection, <laughs> uh, in John 20, 17, and Mary sees him and realizes, whoops, it, it, it's Jesus. Finally, she figures out it's not the gardener, it's Jesus. Mm -hmm. And he says to her, Jesus says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. What does that mean, then? We are doing a whole week on that passage. Patient. And the reason why we're going to be doing a whole week on that passage, because... Where did Jesus go? He went to the third heaven. How long does it take to get there? Well, our science can't get us there because it can't get further enough in the universe to figure that out. So then we have to ask, how fast did Jesus travel to get there? And this is just brainstorming. This is talk about heaven. And how fast did he travel to get there? And how fast did it take him to get back? He did it in a Sunday afternoon. It's big. That's fast. <laughs> that's, that's really fast. Um, I'm going to say he traveled, and I'll talk about the whole week on that. <laughs> but um, when we start talking about heaven and trying to figure out, whoa, it's bigger than we possibly think of. Jesus was going to leave, says, don't touch me. He left somewhere, saw his father, came back, and said to Thomas, put your hand in my side. Ooh, read in between those lines we can get a little glimpse of maybe what heaven looks like. If you think of the human mind, how fast? Speed of light, is that fast enough? Speed of time, how fast? Yeah. One more thing um, about the time that we may or may not spend between dying and being with Christ. It, uh, it also says the dead in Christ will rise first and we will up to meet him in the air so there's some kind of an interval between mm -hmm. right there yeah there is there's definitely uh, there's definitely intervals and we start playing with this concept of times boy it's like i can't just say this is the way it is you know it's it's hard it's we're just hanging on to it loosely ken you're gonna have to be the last one okay um correct me if i'm wrong but i believe in catholicism they believe there's an intermediate intermediate spot that you go to and that you have to be prayed to get into heaven from that they call it purgatory is mm -hmm. that correct um i would say that purgatory is um is not biblical and what i should um do is i should give a whole um reasons why with the passages of scripture um that are mentioned um so a really fast answer why i believe that purgatory um, um is not biblical is how many times does your sins need to be paid for you have to ask that question. And if you're going to go through purgatory, it has, you have not paid enough. God says, I will give you 75% of your sins paid for, and you pay for 25 because you've got to work your way into this area. And I believe that it takes the entire gospel and, and just doesn't, it just doesn't do it. Yeah, that's right. All right, we're going to have to look really fast, Katrina. <laughs> okay, so David, lots and lots of times in the Psalms, says, where can I go to get away from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I go to Sheol, you're there. So there's that, and then there's also Jacob at the end of his life. He's all sad and distraught because he doesn't have all his sons together, and he says, like, if I don't get to see my son, I'm going to go to Sheol. He says that at one point. Is mm -hmm. he just frustrated? Or? So anyhow, those two comments. Yeah, it would be right into the grave. Um, that's where he's talking about. I'm just going to go to the grave. Hades is the grave with non-believers. Sheol is the death of the grave. Just bring me into the depths of despair. Bring me into um, the death, um, the depths of a grave is what, um, is what David is saying to those pieces of it. And the first question I had an answer to when you're talking, then I forgot what it was. The next one. Oh, he'll never go away from your presence. That's, ex that's exactly right. Um, there, is a, there is a sense that is different now than there will be, um, just in a sense that we will see Jesus Christ and his body. Right now, we do not see that. 
Um, in the Old Testament, they saw God. Abraham talked with God. You know, a lot of people, they just saw God walking. You know, I mean, that was, that's what um, uh, took place. They saw God, Isaiah saw God when he stood before him. Um, in the New Testament, we have Hebrews 1 that talks about, um, in the days I spoke to the prophets in many different ways, but now I speak through my son. He is now speaking through his son. And what do we do? We get to see him in the word. We get to hang on to him. And he is absolutely everywhere at the meat of understanding, which would be in his son. And someday we're going to move to another state and see him in his perfectness, the son being um, alive. 